When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Do you want to learn how to manage your own investments? Are you ready to stop paying investment management fees and start building wealth? The DIY Investing Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, and resources you need to be a better investor. Learn how to make investments through the use of fundamental analysis, mental models, and business management insights. Now, here's your host, value investing expert, Trey Henninger. Hello and welcome to the DIY Investing Podcast. My name is Trey Henniger and I'm your host. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get more great investing content. If you're listening on YouTube, hit the like button on this video and any other platform, your five-star rating and review are a great way to support the show. Thank you for your support. One more extra mention about YouTube today. I plan to start publishing additional YouTube videos to my YouTube channel outside of the podcast episodes. If you're interested in those at all, I highly recommend you take the time to go and subscribe on YouTube as well, even if you primarily listen to the podcast on other platforms. YouTube will be the way that I will be publishing shorter videos focused on various different topics. I will focus on In one particular instance, doing first look videos about various companies. I'm going to start by looking at S&P 500 companies and then breaking down other companies as they come to mind. I'll do other videos talking about individual small topics that can be covered in five to 10 minutes instead of these longer form podcasts. So if you use YouTube at all or you're interested in any additional investing content, I recommend going to YouTube and subscribing to the DIY Investing YouTube channel. There will be a link in the show notes today to make sure you can find it, and I hope you will take the opportunity to go subscribe to my YouTube channel. Thank you very much. So let's dive on into today's topic. Today's topic is how to rebalance a concentrated portfolio. This topic is inspired by a listener question who asked me how I think about rebalancing my portfolio. And that could be another title for today's podcast, how I think about rebalancing my portfolio. But I wanted to broaden it as well to think about as a concentrated portfolio overall, because I think I run a concentrated portfolio. And so the principles that I use to think about rebalancing my portfolio really can broadly apply to concentrated portfolios in general. But if not, I don't want to go too broad and say simply this is how you need to rebalance any portfolio because I don't fully understand all the principles that go into running a more diversified portfolio. I have some ideas, but I think it's a mistake to make recommendations on something that you haven't spent as much time studying. So as we talk about it today, you can think about it in those two terms. It's either for concentrated portfolios or simply sharing what I do myself and why I do it. I hope it can be useful to you as you think about how to manage your own portfolio of investments. So 
I'm going to spend today's topic focused on principles. I want to talk about the principles that I use to think about rebalancing because these principles aren't necessarily going to match up with how others talk about rebalancing. And these principles are what's driving my decisions and driving the structure. The actual tactical methodology that I use is less important than the strategy behind those tactics. Tactics can be valuable, but strategy is where the vast majority of the value is being added. And my strategy is inspired by these principles. So for today, I'm going to talk about four principles that go into my rebalancing strategy. The first principle is most important, and that's Occam's razor. Keep it simple. The simplest explanation or the simplest solution is often the best. If you have to have a complicated setup or a complicated analysis, it's harder to justify than a simpler one. So if you have two options, you should choose the simpler analysis and the simpler strategy than the more complex strategy. The more complexity that you introduce into your portfolio and your strategies, the more likely something will fail. So that's Occam's razor principle. The next three principles go in, but they're a little less important, but they kind of outline how I do things. First, you need to rank every position in your portfolio. Next, price matters. And finally, don't make your portfolio worse by taking action. Basically, default to inactivity. So these are our four principles that we're going to discuss today. Keep it simple. Rank your portfolio, all of your positions, the price matters, and don't make your portfolio worse by taking action. You should default to inactivity. So let's dive on in. I've already covered Occam's Razor in a little bit, and really it's this just general concept that if you're trying to solve a problem, the problem with the least number of assumptions is likely the best solution. Or the, the solution with the least number of assumptions is likely the best solution. What that means for us is that we need to think about rebalancing through the context of what is the problem. Why would you even consider rebalancing? What value does rebalancing add? And then we're going to look at that through the lens of what's simplest. And that simplest will be best in this case. So rebalancing is a concept that's often talked about in the context of portfolio management. If you have a certain number of stocks, then generally you have to think about what weighting to put those stocks into your portfolio. So here we're talking about a concentrated portfolio, and I've talked many times in this podcast how I run a concentrated portfolio of five stocks targeting 20% of my portfolio each. So if we say that each stock is 20% of the portfolio, that's only going to be at a specific point in time. Prices change daily. And so as prices of the portfolio of the stocks in the portfolio change, the weightings of each individual stock will get out of balance. They will no longer be 20% each. So the concept of rebalancing is to bring them back into balance, to bring it back closer to your target portfolio allocation. So if we started with 20% each for all of our stocks, but one of them starts doing extremely well, it might become 25% of our portfolio, and another stock in the portfolio might be 
So now we have one stock that's 25%, three stocks that are 20%, and one stock that's 15%. What do we do? Well, the concept of rebalancing would be, well, you could consider moving the 5% extra from the 25% stock into the 15% stock and bring them all back to 20%. That's the basic concept around rebalancing, but that is not what I do. And we'll get more into that. And that's where the next principle of ranking your the positions in your portfolio comes into play. But that's the general idea of rebalancing is that when you created your portfolio strategy, there was some reason you chose the allocations you did. And you need to be rec- you need to recognize those reasons, understand those reasons, and construct your portfolio accordingly. So there may be at some point or some reason that you want to rebalance your portfolio. And so we really just need to say we want to keep it simple. We want it to be clear. Now, some people do this by instituting rules. One rule, for instance, that I've heard quite commonly is to rebalance your portfolio once a year, say on your birthday or on January 1st or on July 1st, whatever it may be. You choose a date and every year on that date, you rebalance your entire portfolio to your original target allocation. What this does is it makes a means that you're not doing it very often. You're doing it once a year to limit tax consequences. And also, you're allowing the changes over time to balance out. Sometimes stocks are going to go up higher than and get above their mean value, and sometimes they won't, and sometimes they'll drop. And that you're trying to take advantage of mean reversion. So the underlying presumption is that the stocks that have run ahead of themselves are more overvalued, and the stocks that have gone down are less valued, which means that by trading between them, you might capture a premium that would be a rebalancing premium, a premium that is gained only because you rebalanced your portfolio. That's the general idea. Now, I don't like that because it opens you up to errors in your process. Maybe the stocks that went down deserve to go down. Maybe the stocks that went up are better companies than the stocks that went down. If you sell a good company and use that money to to buy a bad company, or if you sell an undervalued company to and, and use that money to buy an overvalued company, you could be making a, a mistake. Simply using a rebalancing method based on time could lead you into making a mistake, which would cause us to fail principle number four. Don't make your portfolio worse by taking action. So if we're not going to rebalance by time, we need to rebalance by price. So again, my third principle is price matters. You can only you can only rebalance by time or by price. So you can do this or you can do it a few other ways. One of the other ways that I've heard that's quite common is that you have trigger points. Say you're willing to let the rebalancing go, not you're willing to not rebalance within a certain range. So Maybe you say my target portfolio is 20% per stock, but I won't rebalance until the until the stock hits 25% or 15%. So as long as it stays between 16 and 24, you're not going to touch them at all. But if something hits above 25%, you'll use that opportunity to rebalance it into another one 
Or maybe you have a wider range. You have more volatility acceptance. So here you might say that I'm willing to let it sit between 10% and 30%. So the max size of your um, investment into a single stock could be 30% and your minimum is 10 which means you're not going to rebalance at all as long as the fluctuations keep the prices between 10 and 30%. On the surface, this seems quite reasonable. But again, where it fails is you could have a point where you hit 30% on a stock, but it could still be the cheapest stock in your portfolio. And if it's the cheapest stock in your portfolio and you sell it in order to buy something that's more expensive or lower quality, you're actually making mistakes. So you violated default inactivity. You violated the price matters principle. And you've also probably violated the rank every position in your portfolio principle. So the way I like to think about rebalancing is that I want to rebalance using price. I want to be rebalancing using a rank ordering and I want to avoid rebalancing as much as possible. So those principles are what's allowing me to keep it simple. I want to limit my activity. So how do we do this? Well, let's explain. And the best way to explain is to think about the second principle now. Rank every position in your portfolio. I first heard this idea from Jeff Gannon of the Focus Compounding podcast and Focus Compounding Capital Management. I recommend that podcast if you also want to find another podcast to listen to. But his idea, and what I've replicated in my portfolio, is that at every point in time, you should know which stock in your portfolio is your best idea and which stock in your portfolio is your worst idea, your worst holding. And they should be ranked for every stock you own. So if you own five stocks, you should know exactly which stock is number one, number two, number three, number four, and number five. If you own 10 stocks, you need to know every stock in order from one to 10 at all times. And if you own 30 stocks, 50 stocks, you need to be able to do the same. Now, obviously, that gets more complex as you go to a higher and higher number of holdings which is also why it's tailored probably more towards concentrated investors. But it should be relatively easy to rank order a portfolio of even up to 10 stocks and know the difference between stock number one and stock number 10. And you could probably should be relatively easy to know the difference between stocks number one and number five. Now, I can certainly understand that six and seven could be close or seven and eight can be close or something like that. But I highly encourage you to adopt this practice. I found it incredibly helpful because it makes rebalancing simple. Here's why. If you look at your portfolio and you know which stock is number one and which stock is number five, it's relatively easy to think about it in the sense that you should never rebalance by selling stock number one and buying stock number five. Now, our third principle, price matters, comes into play here. That rank ordering is not a pure rank ordering based upon business quality. It's a ranking based upon a lot of factors. It's ranking takes into account business quality. So the higher the quality of the business, the higher it should be on your ranking. But it also takes into account valuation. 
The cheaper stock is, the higher it should be on your ranking. The more expensive a stock is, the lower it should go, which means as the price rises of a company that you own, the, the ranking order should lower over time, assuming the business is not keeping up with the change in price. Um, it should also take into account risk. You don't necessarily want the company that you think is going to be the highest returning to be number one. You might want the company that's number one to be the one with the lowest risk that meets your discount rate. So my discount rate's 10%, and I want all five of the stocks in my portfolio to have a 10% expected rate of return or more. That doesn't mean that I'm going to, if I have one stock that I think is going to have a 20% rate of return and another stock that's going to have a 15% rate of return, that doesn't necessarily mean that the 20% one is number one and the 15% one is number two. The 15% one could be number one and the 20% one could be number four because maybe the 15% one is a lot safer. It's higher quality. And I'm a lot less worried that it might go bankrupt than I am about number tw- number four, which is the 20% rate of return one. You see, because the 20% rate of return one might have other risks, might have extra debt, might be highly leveraged, might have some competition risk that idea number one does not have. So you have to think about these holistically. It's not a formula. I can't prescribe to you a formula of how to manage your portfolio. What I can do is describe the principles I use, and hopefully that inspires you to make better decisions for your own. But at every point in time, you should be able to know what's your favorite idea and what's your worst idea. And the key here is don't sell your best idea to buy your worst idea. Don't sell number one to rebalance into number two, three, four, or five. You only rebalance in the direction of getting better. So you can sell idea number four to buy idea number two, but you can't sell idea number two to buy idea number four. What this helps me to do is it uses that fourth principle. Don't make your portfolio worse by taking action. Portfolios change all the time. The prices change all the time. Your portfolio is never going to look like the perfect equal weight portfolio that it was the day you started. And it probably wasn't even that day either because you couldn't build the whole portfolio in a day, at least if you're doing anything um, in low liquidity stocks like I am. So don't worry about having a perfect looking portfolio. Worry about not making mistakes. It's a mistake to sell an undervalued company to buy an overvalued company. It's a mistake to sell a low quality business or to sell a high quality business to buy a low quality business. And it's a mistake to sell your favorite idea to buy your worst idea. This rank ordering makes all the difference. It makes it so simple. There's points where I've had a stock at 40% of my portfolio. But it's my best idea. It's my favorite idea. It's better than everything else in my portfolio, even though it doubled. So just because a stock started at 20% of your portfolio and grew to 40%, it might have earned that 40% weighting. If that is your best idea, even after doubling, 
If it's your cheapest idea, if it's the highest quality business you own, even after doubling, then let it stay at 40% of your portfolio. It's earned it. The only time you need to sell it is if it's no longer your best idea. If you need money to, to buy an even better idea, now you can rebalance it. But now it's no longer idea number one. Maybe now it's idea number two or three or four. Maybe it needs to double again before it becomes a low enough idea on your list. Again, price matters. That third principle is really important. The price at which the stock is, its relative valuation compared to what else is in your portfolio will affect the attractiveness of it being in that rank order. So just because it has the highest quality growth prospects, just because it's the safest, at some point, if the price keeps doubling, it's no longer going to be your best idea because the price is going to be too high. It might have been your best idea at a PE of 5, best idea of a PE of 10, best idea of a PE of 20, but it's not your best idea at a PE of 40. Which means at some point, that PE of 40 is not going to look nearly as attractive as that lower growth company at a PE of 10. Now it's the perfect time to rebalance. You Now you're really making sure you're not making mistakes. So again, you default to an activity. Allow your portfolio to fluctuate over time. Allow those portfolio weightings to get out of whack because you're allowing those businesses to actually perform. If you want to be a successful long-term investor, you need to stop renting businesses and start buying businesses. The money is made not by buying a business or by renting it, but by holding a business. And in order to hold a business, you can't be rebalancing it all the time. Rebalancing can add value to your portfolio by taking money that you've gained from one stock idea and putting it in another idea that's going to compound faster. Rebalancing can destroy value if you take money from one idea that's compounding fast and you put it into another idea that's compounding slow. You have to be very careful to not make that mistake. I think it's difficult to truly know in advance which ideas are going to work out better. It's truly hard to know in advance which ideas are compounding faster than each other. Investing is not a precise science. There's a lot of error range. There's a lot of vagueness. There's a lot of blurriness around the edges of how much things are worth, how much you can get for things, um, what growth rates will right be. There's so much uncertainty in investing, which is why you need a default to inactivity. Be very careful when you rebalance your portfolio because rebalancing is the same thing as selling. And you should be cautious to sell stocks, especially if they're high-quality businesses, especially if they're compounders, especially if they're the type of companies that I seek out, like 10 baggers and 100 baggers. If you're buying the right type of companies, if you're buying the type of companies which are going to be worth more money in five years and 10 years than you can even imagine, be very careful about selling them. 
If a stock has grown to be a greater percentage of your portfolio, it may just be that it deserves to be. So what these principles are doing for me is it's helping me to avoid selling my winners and buying my losers. You need to turn over your portfolio a lot if you're buying deep value stocks that are bad businesses. If you're doing a true Graham and Dodd portfolio approach where you're turning over portfolio more, you can't use these same principles. But again, this is how to rebalance a concentrated portfolio, not a diversified portfolio. If you're a deep value investor, if you're a Graham and Dodd investor, you're going to have a more diversified portfolio. You're going to have 20, 30, 50 stocks. You're not going to run a five stock or a three stock or a 10 stock portfolio. These principles are for a concentrated portfolio. I run a concentrated portfolio, so my principles are driven by that fact. I'm trying to buy compounders. I'm trying to buy high-quality businesses that are going to be a tin-bagger. These are growing businesses. They're worth more each and every year if I've done the work right. So when you set up your portfolio that way, you can use these principles, Occam's Razor, rank every position in your portfolio, price matters, and default to inactivity, in order to improve your investment performance. How? You're limiting your mistakes. You're limiting your turnover. You're limiting your costs. Limiting your costs. By making sure to align the principles you use for tactical decisions like rebalancing with the overall strategy of your portfolio, you can optimize your performance. Again, I think optimize is the key word. Too often we try and maximize or minimize our performance or losses. Instead, we need to optimize them. Seeking the optimal setup is better. Understanding that you don't need to be perfect in order to get an adequate result. You just need to make smart decisions that move you closer to your goals. I hope that these principles will help you to do that from today's podcast. Just to close out, I'll repeat them one more time because I think that they're really helpful for prospective concentrated investors. First, Occam's Razor. Keep it simple. The simplest solution is often the best. Two, rank every position in your portfolio and know those rankings whenever you're making a decision. Three, price matters. The price of the stock and the relative valuation will influence the rankings in your portfolio. And three, I mean, and four, default to inactivity. Activity is one of the easiest ways to make mistakes. Inactivity can lower your costs and help you to outperform. Thank you for listening to today's show. I hope it has added value to you and will help you become a better investor. If you're interested in learning more about investing, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and don't forget to go and check out my YouTube channel where you can subscribe and I'm going to start uploading additional videos to that channel each and every month. Thank you for listening and until next time, stop paying fees, start building wealth.
Thank you for listening to the DIY Investing Podcast. Please visit our website and subscribe to our email list at DIYinvesting.org for guides, videos, and resources to help make you a better investor. The DIY Investing Podcast is presented for general informational and entertainment purposes only. I have not considered your specific situation or risk profile, and I have not provided investment advice. The information presented on the DIY Investing Podcast should not be construed as investment advice. The views and opinions expressed on the DIY Investing Podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's host or sponsors. DIY Investing, its producers, sponsors, and host, Trey Henniger, shall not be liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based upon information or viewpoints presented on the DIY Investing Podcast. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.